Welcome to A Murder's Absolute, a podcast about true crime, where the last episode we went over the stalking of York, which was a true murderous case, or a true stalking case. Um, You can go check that out if you have not already. But today, we will be going over the murder of Travis Alexander. Um, A little bit about this case was... Travis Alexander, he was born July 28, 1977, and he lived and he died on June 4, 2008. He was a a salesman who was murdered by his ex-girlfriend, Jodi Ann. She was born on 19, in 1980 on July 9th, and he was murdered in his house in Arizona, she was, his girlfriend was conv- convicted of first-degree murder on May 8, 2013, and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole in April, on April 13, 2015. Um, he was, yep, Travis was born on, we're going to refer to him as Alexander, just, I, just for respect. So, Mr. Alexander... Alexander was born on July 28, 1977, in Riverside, California, to his dad and his mom, Gary and Elizabeth Alexander. At the age of 11, Travis moved in with his grandparents after his father's death in 1997. His seven siblings were also taken by their paternal grandmother. Alexander was a salesman and a a motivational speaker for prepaid legal services. His girlfriend, Jody Ann, was born on July 9th, 1980, in California, to William and Sandra Arias. His father, her father is of Mexican ancestry, and her mother is of German and English ancestry. Um, Arias and Alexander met in September 2006 at a people conference in Las Vegas, Nevada. Arias converted to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Latter-day Saints, of which Alexander was a member. And he was and baptized him on November 6th. 2006 in a ceremony in Southern California. Alexander and Arias began dating in February 2007. She moved to Mesa to live closer to Alexander. In April 2008, she moved to Eureka, California and lived there with her grandparents. Alexander and Arias dated intermittently for about a year and a half, often a long-distance relationship taking turns traveling between their respective Arizona and California homes. Alexander's friends knew who areas and observed knew who knew areas and observed them tended to have negative opinion of her stating that the relationship was unusual and that areas was behavior was areas behavior was worrying. Alexander was murdered on a on June 4th, 2008 on a Wednesday. He says he sustained 27 to 29 stab wounds. 
a slit throat, a gunshot to the head. Medical examiner Kevin Horn testified that Alexander's vein, the car, I don't know what the word, it's an artery, had been slashed and Alexander had defensive wounds on his hands. Horn further testified that Alexander may have been dead at the time the gunshot was inflicted and that the back wounds were shallow. Alexander's death was ruled a homicide and he was buried at Riverside's Olivewood Memorial Park Cemetery. Um, a little bit about the, so we're, now we're going to get into the discovery and investigation of this case. And in early 2008, Alexander told people that Arias would join him for a work-related trip in Mexico scheduled for June 15th. In April, Alexander asked to change his travel companion to another female friend. On May 28th, a burglary occurred at the resident of Arias' grandparents, with whom Arias was living. Among the missing objects was 25 caliber automatic Colt pistol, which was never recovered. This later became significant as a shell ca- case from a spent .25 cal- caliber round was found near Alexander's body at the murder scene. Which I think this would come to show that um, what if it wasn't um, areas that that um, did this? What if it was the person who stole it or something? So that's where we're going to get into a little bit more now. So on June 2nd, between 1 a.m. and 3 a.m., Arias called Alexander four times but did not appear to get through to him. Since the longest of the calls was 17 seconds after 3 a.m., Alexander called Arias twice, the first time for 18 minutes and the second time for 41 minutes. At 4.03 a.m., Arias called Alexander back, and the call lasted 2 minutes, 48 seconds. Neither of the calls nor their transcripts were presented in Arias' trial at 5.39 a.m., Arias set out to drive south to rent a car for a long trip to Utah. As shown evidence of the gasoline purchase in Eureka on June 2nd, at 8.04 a.m., Arias rented a car in Redding, Redding in California. She indicated that she would return the car in Redding in, in Redding. Arias visited friends in Southern California on her way to Utah for a people work conference to meet Ryan to meet with Ryan Burns, a people co-worker. By late evening on June 3rd, Arias apparently set out for Salt Lake City. Alexander missed an important conference call on the evening of June 4th. The following day, Arias met up with Burns in Salt Lake City, suburb of Western Utah, and attended business meetings for the conference. Burns later said he noticed Arias' formerly blonde hair was now dark brown. She had cuts on her hands, is what he stated. So, I don't think that at this point, um, their relationship was going too good. I think that cuts on their hands, bruises, all that, just came to show that, um, that it just 
that there's been some fighting going on. And then on June Lake, she left Salt Lake City and drove west towards California. She called Alexander several times and left several voicemail messages for him. She also accessed his cell phone voicemail system. When Arias returned the car on June 7th, it had been about it had been driven about 2,800 miles. The rental clerk testified that the car was missing its floor mats and had red stains on the front and rear seats. It could not have been verified that the car had floor mats when Arias picked it up and that the tiny stains could be verified since the car was cleaned up before the police could examine it. Examine it. On June 9th, having... Okay, so it's June 9th. He was murdered on June 4th. Arias was indicted by a grand jury in Arizona for first-degree murder of Alexander. She was arrested at her home, extradited to Arizona on September 5th. So what I'm thinking right now is, did... Did she actually do it because she was at a business meeting and all that? She was calling him over and over. Maybe she got so she got filled with anger that she just went over there, cut him or stabbed him 27 to 29 times, shot him in the head, slit his throat, which is very devastating. Um, she told the police that she had not been in Mesa on the day of the murder and had last seen Alexander in March 2008. Ayers later told the police that two intruders had broken into Alexander's home, murdering him and attacking her two years after her arrest. Arias told the police that she killed Alexander in self-defense, claiming that she had been the victim of domestic violence. So I think this put a spin. I think this puts a pretty big spin on um just what we're talking about because if she, what she just said is true, um, I'm interested to see if they found a body. Because if what they said was true, um, I feel like she shouldn't be serving a life sentence if she was acting in self-defense. But I think we're going to get on later and notice that it was not self-defense and um, it was simply just a murder all right so for the trial on april 6 2009 um it happened in a superior court before judge sherry k stephens on this happened in december 10th actually 2012 the jury selection on december 20th during the jury selection on December 20th, our Arias, or wait, Arias' defense attorney argued that the prosecution was sym- systematically excluding women and African Americans. The prosecutor, Juan Martinez, said that race and sex were irrelevant to his decisions to strike certain jurors. Judge Steffens ruled that the prosecution has showed no bias in the juror section. So then, um, 
We're going to talk about the penalty for a little bit. And then um, we should wrap it up. Yeah, this is this is a um, short podcast. Yes, very short. So, in the penalty phase, the penalty phase began on May 16, 2013, when prosecutors called Alexander's family members family members to offer victim impact statements in an effort to convince the juror that Rhea's crime um pretty much ended up in a death sentence. They the um jury wanted to convince they wanted to convince the jury that it should end in a death sentence. And then she offered she pleaded for a life sentence, and I'm pretty sure that's what she got. And, yeah, she said, whatever they come back with, I will have to deal with it. I have no other choice. Then she said, I felt like a huge sense of unreality. I felt betrayed, actually, by the jury. I was hoping they would see things for what they are. I really, It felt really awful to me and my family and what they were thinking, which this just comes to show that she, if I bet there were voicemails, then she, it's, I bet she sounded very angry with them and all of that, but I just think it's absurd what happened, and I, I, we will see much worse cases than this. This is, so let's just go over the case really quick. I'm sorry about that. So the case, um, one, I think that, um, they should have, um, upheld the death penalty because that was a red-handed murder. That was, um, hold on. So, sorry. That yeah. So that was a homicide, which is first degree murder. And for, a homicide is a first degree murder or a felony murder. And then there's a second degree murder. Murder, and then there's a manslaughter and involuntary manslaughter, which aren't as serious, but they're still a murder. So, I'd say this wraps up what we are talking about today, and stay tuned for next week. Monday night, we'll be coming out with another podcast, and I think I'm going to talk about, um, it might be another murder, or it might be a kidnapping. I don't know, just stay tuned. Hope you all have a great day, and see y'all next week.